0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Home Matters Podcast, brought to you by the Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. We are located in Rochester, Minnesota. Ron Whiteman and Lynn Whiteman, alongside me, Randy Brock, and Ethan Kasky, are all licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota. This podcast is all about real estate and our local community and what we love about it. Thank you for listening. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have our special guest, Heather Fuelberth of Bell Bank Mortgage, talking about the latest in the uh, mortgage industry. Before that, a quick market update. Hi, everybody.
1: Hi. Good morning. Hey.
0: Good to see you all. We have had an interesting start to uh, the year as far as business goes, and uh, we're going to jump into some real estate information here first before our guest, and our guest today is Heather Fuelberth of Bell Bank Mortgage, and we're going to get some really useful information from her in just a few minutes, but uh, we want to talk about uh, what we're seeing, and we're going to start with a a little bit of market information. Who wants to jump in? You guys want to talk about numbers?
2: Yeah. All right. Do you know the numbers? I love numbers. Awesome. Awesome. So, today is Tuesday, February 7th, Um, we have 109 current listings in the Rochester market with an average price of $648,722.
3: That's the average of the actives.
2: That's the average of the actives. Can you
4: say that number just one more time,
2: please?
0: (laughs) $648,722. So that includes everything in the rochester market and i'm glad you put a marker everything on everything
2: in it. the rochester market that's single family non contingent on inspection so sure. active yeah this
0: what does scary. what does that number
2: tell you that we need more listings yeah, <laughs> yeah. so if you're thinking about
3: selling your house <laughs> and it also really speaks to the conversation that goes on a lot here about affordable housing because if the average price of what's out there right now is 600 I mean that precludes a lot of uh, first-time and second-time home buyers who are more in our median price range uh, of solds in that you know three-ish range uh, three to four so um, we still have an affordable housing uh, conversation that we're gonna have today and ongoing for sure yeah I think I think the uh,
2: initial average is a little misleading if you were to just read that because when we go to the pending and what's actually moving in Rochester that average is a lot less um, we have 100 pending listings today, and it's an uh, average of 445,797. So yeah. what's actually moving in the market right now is a little bit lower average price.
3: Yeah. And what's really fun to know about our market right now is there certainly is life, uh, and it's vibrant, at uh, 5 to 6% interest rate. There is life after, you know, the threes that we saw last year. And in my opinion, humble opinion, um, it, it is a much more balanced environment, not only for buyers but for sellers as well. We can have good conversations and and still support good values in our community without uh, overreaching like we were last year. And houses are still selling. We're seeing
2: uh, average days on market of 43 days. So. Yep. That's not which I is mean, very, very reasonable,
3: reasonable when you look at uh, yeah. across across all price ranges. That's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. There was a
0: time period, if we look back, you know, the last couple of springs and summers, especially, where we'd be having conversations with buyers, and the immediacy was overwhelming.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was I, you know, argue to say there was some excitement there, but it wasn't a whole lot of fun to know that you had to be moving immediately to look at a house, and it's a little bit more relaxed. I can talk with a buyer on Monday, and we can plan on seeing a house on Thursday or Friday, and it's still there.
4: (laughs) And when you say it's a little more relaxed, I think the misconception out there was that realtors were loving that market because things were selling in a day or two, and that really was not the reality for realtors because it was, at points, very, very difficult to get buyers into a house and that adds a tremendous amount of pressure to our lives. So the perception of that realtors love that market, not so much.
0: Right, or Mm -hmm. that buyers love that market too.
4: They didn't, yeah, (laughs) sellers might have liked it. Yeah, but
2: sellers eventually become buyers in the same market, so it was a hard thing for everybody.
4: It was.
0: So we talked about, at the time, some sustainability issues. We thought, I think rightly so, that something had to change. And we're starting, I think, to see the, some, some of the positive results of that. But there's always growing pains when things change.
3: Yeah, if I was going to be honest, I, I was... Please do be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you're honest. <laughs> well, I, I had said for years that the interest rate needed to come up a bit. But when they doubled in a matter of a couple months, I got a little nervous about, you know, what's next. But our inventory levels are still... significantly low across the country. And uh, what needed to happen in the last six months was beneficial for all of us, all of us.
4: Take just a few moments, Ron, to talk about across the country, because I think people, people are concerned that we may be heading into something similar to what we were in before, and that this is a bubble that will burst. But talk just a little bit about what's really happening across the country and why this is a little bit of a long-term situation with affordable housing specifically?
3: Well, um, well that's a big question, and we have just a few <laughs> minutes. But in short, this is not something that's going to collapse because of the shortage that's happening across the country. Almost in every community, there's a shorting, shortage of housing in total, and there's an even more extreme shortage in affordable housing. So this isn't a situation that we're gonna work out of in the next year, uh, five five years maybe if we're lucky, and there's three or four good reasons of why there's such a shortage. We can't cover that in this uh, short time period, but uh, across the country, in almost all markets, we are experiencing a shortage of homes. There's just not enough uh, homes to meet the demand.
2: And it's expensive to build those new homes right now. Reason Cost number one, construction yep. is very expensive. Yep. Right Reason
3: now. number one, and that keeps uh, a greater portion of the buyers in the existing market. Uh, and, and new construction is a big conversation.
0: So, if you are looking to buy or to sell, what are the three? Let's just finish this up with the three big positive aspects of where we're at right now. And I'll start with one. One thing that I'm seeing that's very positive for the people that we've been working with in the last couple of months is that it's not a race to buy. You're not under this huge pressure to move immediately. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit less competition. The odds of being able to get an inspection are much higher, which is great for you as the consumer. That's my first one. Who wants to throw something else in? Um,
3: I'll go number two for sellers, uh, from sellers' aspect. Um, You're still going to get a really good price, a really good market price for your house, especially if you paid attention to uh... the updates and the maintenance of your home it's it's gonna sell for a great market price what you're not able to do as a seller is expect it to go over market price but our market is very healthy Um our, our market is expected to at least hold and if not um, could ap- appreciate a little bit this year so from a seller's pr- perspective you're in a good position
2: and i'll go number three is that the market's still moving so if you're a buyer and you only have four options right now well those houses will sell and then you'll get more houses in your price range if that wasn't if the house your house wasn't there yet yeah um, markets still moving enough to where it, it'll be
0: there yeah when the time's right good point it's not stagnant mm-hmm. how about you Lynn
1: well
4: I'll piggyback off of Ethan because I think that buyers are very educated because the inventory is low the buyers have seen the houses that are out there in their price point and I think that speaks um, speaks mostly to the sellers they have to understand that you can't overprice a house because the buyers are very very educated but they're willing to pay for a good house for a house that's priced right so i don't think that they're afraid of the interest rates i think they are afraid of overpaying because a seller is still thinking that their house is, um they can go up and above I, I think that brings the balance. Mm-hmm. So pricing right, having your home, all of the, all of the little things kind of tidied up and cleaned up. Um, staging has become more important, I, I believe. And I also think that the buyers really, really know what their money will buy. And they're not afraid to spend that money if the house, they see the value in the house. Right,
0: Making a quality investment.
4: Right, yeah. exactly.
0: Wonderful to see you all, team. Good to see you. And now our special guest. Joining us today is Heather Fuelberth of Bell Bank. Hi, Heather.
1: Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for being with us today. Um, You know, we talk all the time about the market and what's happening in real estate, but we get our one perspective. So we're excited today to get your perspective as a lender. We'll get into some of the nitty gritty in a little bit, but first of all, tell us about yourself. I know that's sometimes the hardest part. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about you.
1: Well, um, my husband and I moved to Rochester 32 years ago. Um, Originally, we were going to stay here two to three years. And like I said, um, that seems to be a pretty common theme here. Now it's home. My kids have grown up here. My friends are here. I um, currently work for Bell Bank Mortgage. I've been in the lending world for About 30 years, and I'm a senior mortgage loan officer.
4: And we are very happy to have you here at this table. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, you've been there for how many years again? I've been at Bell for eight years and 30 years in lending. 30 years in lending. So, what you're seeing today in the market, how is that different from, and I don't want to talk about just market trends, how is that different from what you did 30 years ago? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, there have been a lot of changes in 30 years. One of the biggest ones is technology. I mean, when I started, you had to wait two to three weeks to see if you could even get approved for a house. And then it would take about 90 days to, you know, get closed. So now you can find out if you're approved within minutes sometimes. And, you know, closings are happening a lot more quickly. There's a lot of ways to communicate with people. you know your buyers and sellers via text all the different social media sites yeah. um, so I think technology has been one of the biggest changes.
4: And you said that you've been in lending for 30 years but at Bell for 8, um, 30 years gave you a lot of experience doing a lot of different things. What do you like about Bell? Why Why have you landed there and what makes it special for you?
1: Well, I really love the culture at Bell. Um, I love my co-workers and going to work every day i think that's important to love what you do and and who you work with bell's bottom line is happy employees happy customers and and they live that every day by doing the right thing for the employees and the customers um, one of the other great things i love about bell is not only do they give money to all the different um, um, philanthropies, but they give every employee a thousand dollars a year to give to a charity or charities of their choice, and we have over 1,800 employees, so that's really a cool that's very nice I didn't know that about them that's really nice and is
2: that mostly local charities or just any charity it can be
1: any charity you want Um, you know since we're in 26 states um, you know it's here in Rochester we can give to whoever we want it doesn't have to be a charity some people have given pooled their money to help a cancer victim or a car accident victim or someone from a fire Um, so but everybody in their own community and own state can give to whoever they feel is most in need. So that's that's the neat part of it. Nice. That's yeah. very
4: neat. So if you're combining those funds to give to, say, a cancer patient, how is that presented? How have you done that in the past?
1: Um, last year, a couple of our coworkers went in and we helped a family that had a young girl um, undergoing cancer. And we, you know, once some one of them knew her uh-huh. family and we met them for coffee and presented them with you know this big check and it was a lot of tears (laughs) you know it's very overwhelming when those those things happen but it's I, I love that part of it to be able to choose what means the most to you. Right. Absolutely. You know,
0: and of all the events we do and go to as, as residents of Rochester, there's some, there's some regulars and it's been nice to see you too. At, you know, at all the little different events we'll go to, whether it's, you know, Wit Wisdom and Wine or, you know, for the Rochester Public Library Foundation or O'Chara Affair, or whatever, where you have a presence right. at a lot of these events and that's a, a great part of our community.
3: Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm.
0: of, What is it about Rochester that, uh, you know, you had that two to three year plan? You're still here.
1: (laughs) You know, there's a lot of things I love about Rochester. Um, One of the things is the parks and hiking trails. Um, During COVID, when our son came home from college, we had to get out of the house. So we started going to a different park or hiking trail every day. And it was just amazing to find some of these little hidden gems throughout the... um, City, you know, and surrounding areas. So, um, I love the people, the neighborhoods, yeah. and you know, of course, the top-notch medical. Uh, oh, yeah, here. So,
0: so much going for it. I mean, right. I think every one of us in the room here, we talked about being on that. That short plan, and then all of a sudden, five years turns into twenty-five, turns into—it's
4: a common theme, isn't it? it I really mean, is. we we talk to a lot of people, and they come here thinking, "Oh, I'll be here for a short stay," and I think that's because they read the weather before they come, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then they end up staying, and that it is kind of a unique little city in that way—a a little big city, right—that um, people come and they kind of fall in love with it, and it's interesting to to have that repeated over and over and over right. on podcasts from people
0: yeah there's kind of a special recipe in town For there sure. is it's to a great
4: great great you know, way to put it
0: the size yeah. the schools you know like you said the trails the ability just to be so close to so many things right yeah. yeah all right so um we are we mentioned about what's changed over the years i've jokingly asked ron and lynn because they're veterans of the industry as well mm. sometimes i almost wonder how did you do real estate before the iPhone was invented? (laughs) (laughs) Because that is almost all we are Um, doing right now is is so smartphone driven. I uh mean, we are dealing with, you know, sometimes it it feels very old school to have a phone call with somebody. We're dealing with, how do you set those boundaries as a lender? Because I'm sure that, you know, we are out showing houses on Saturdays and Sundays. Which I'm sure you like to have a day off, right? But you like to be busy. Where do you kind of draw the line fairly for, you know, the real estate agents and the clients, and and how does that all work?
1: Well, most of my clients and agents know that I am available twenty four seven. But you know, when I do talk to my clients that are already pre approved, um, you know, I say if you know you're going to look at a house at. Friday night or or Saturday. If you want to let me know on Friday, I can work up those numbers ahead of time. Um, you know, but I do get those calls on Saturday and Sunday when people find a house that they're in love with and we, you know, get them approved and ready to go at that time. So it it is hard to draw that line, but um, I have a assistant as well. So if I'm ever not available, she's available as well. We want to be able to be there when we're needed, so.
4: And, and that is truth. We've had that experience together, because I was out late one night, um, met a buyer at the house. It's pouring rain. They decided that they wanted to write an offer, and they needed a letter from you, because we were in multiples. and. I'm gonna guess it was probably about seven o'clock at night and she just called you and we had a letter by the time I got them back to the office to write the offer. So I know that's true of you. I know that you are available.
0: <laughs> so if you could go back and talk to your younger self, you know, when you were buying a house, I'm assuming when you moved to Rochester, did you did you buy right away? Or were you renting?
1: We we rented, you know, it took us a couple of years yeah, to to save Some money Um, you know what I would recommend to um, people looking to buy is first of all to to talk to a lender talk to a local lender find out what your budget is um, how much you may need to save do you need to work on your credit anything like that Um, you know sometimes it it might take you a little longer than what it thinks and sometimes people are ready sooner than what they think. So I think the main thing I would recommend is, you know, sitting down with a a local lender, going through all of your information and um, figuring out where you're at and where you want to be.
4: So you talk about local lender, um, and as a listing agent, I understand the importance of that, but if someone is listening to this and they have been pre-approved, say, on a, a a company that's on the web. Why why is a local lender so important in the process for that buyer?
1: Well, you may find that there are some special programs that only local lenders can do that they, the national lenders, um, you know, on the internet may not be able to do. Also, um, you know, there's a sense of I guess, responsibility, commitment, where if the lender is right here in town, they're going to do everything they can to get it closed, where if it's closing day and there's any issues, they're going to be able to find that lender instead of, you know, trying to call someone in another state.
0: (laughs) At 5.05 on Friday. And And that's the other thing, you know,
1: those lenders don't work the hours, the evenings, and the weekends.
4: So what about if you had a seller, um, they had bought a house and used you to buy Mm -hmm. the house, um, and now they're moving out of the area. How can you help a a seller who's doing that where they've already got a relationship with you and maybe they're going to say nebraska or somewhere like that how how can you help them
1: we we do lend in um, 30 different states so um, i work with a lot of people who move to arizona and florida for instance with mayo um nebraska my home state (laughs) and um you know and sometimes you know when we talk about those local lenders i do I do have a conversation with their realtor, they're working there um, about my pro- process, how I work to just give them that comfort. Um, I'll talk to their listing agent as well, just because they to make sure they're not afraid of an outside lender. But, um, you know, I've had people, I've done loans for three, four, five, seven times, and now they're moving to another state and I'm happy to be able to assist them on their move as well. Another thing that you told us um, about local lenders
4: is that you have, in the past, when when your buyers are in multiples, you've called the listing agent and assured them that they are
1: that they are set and they're ready to go, and can't get that from the web. Right, right, and I think especially the last two years when there were multiple offers, that made a huge difference to be able to talk to that listing agent and say, yes, you know, I've looked at this person's income, assets, they are a solid buyer for this particular house. They know we've talked about this house and those numbers.
0: Which I can say from being the listing agent, it was really helpful to be able to have a conversation with you when you had buyers on our listings too because you were there, you were available, you could clarify. um, Because sometimes an approval letter, a pre-approval letter, it's nice to see but it puts a lot of backbone to that buyer's offer as well. So speaking of kids, family, being around, you know, and your experience from buying a home however many years ago, now that the market has changed it's different technology is different the speed of purchasing is a little different what advice would you give your kids if they're out right now looking to buy a house
1: um again i go back to know your budget you know um make sure you are pre-approved i mean i think that's the the biggest thing because Um, I know some people are out looking at houses, kind of dreaming. The other thing to keep in mind is you don't, you aren't probably going to get that house your mom and dad have at your first time. You know, buy a house that you'll be in five to seven years of first time house, you learn a lot about what you like and don't like, you know, each house that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the important things for the young people to, you know, this doesn't have to be your perfect home, your forever home, right. you know, but it is a home, you're starting to build equity, that payment is going, you know, toward, you know, an investment rather than, you know, just rent.
4: And again, if a buyer is listening to this, there's a difference between being pre-approved, which you do in the beginning, and full underwriting. So what are some of the things that they should know to not do between the pre-approval process
1: and full underwriting? There's a difference there. <laughs> and that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is not to change your credit profile. You know, so don't take out any new credit cards. Don't go buy furniture, appliances, um, get a new car. Um, Also, if you're going to be getting funds from a family member or someone, be sure your loan officer knows that because there's a process to verify that. Um, They don't wanna just see random cash deposits in the bank. So those are some of the things the lender will be asking you for pay stubs, bank statements, to verify, um, you know, that you're still working and you know where your funds are coming from.
4: And what about work history? What, um, let's say someone's moving here and they have a new job. What, how does that affect them
1: um, with their work history? So typically we look at the last two years. And so if you move here and you're either just out of school, starting a new career. Um, that school counts as your job history, or you've been working in the same field, but now you are moving to our lovely city with a a job offer that um, also is going to apply. So typically we look at you know, the most recent two-year history, but then they look at what is the continuation going to look at. And that's what either the job history letter or, you know, there are people moving here that are still working with their employer and they're now working remote. And um, that's become a new thing in the last couple Mm -hmm. of years that a lot of people are keeping their same jobs and moving to various parts of the US. And that's okay. Right. Perfect.
2: So a lot of people move here um, because of Mayo, and maybe they have a letter from Mayo saying that they have a job and this is how much they're going to make. Does that carry a certain amount of weight when it comes to?
1: Right, yes. So- um, prior to closing, though, they do have to have what's called a non-contingent letter because many times those letters say this is um, contingent on a background check and contingent on um, a health check and maybe some licensing so a lot of times they'll get those job letters three four months ahead of time and you know a couple weeks before closing they'll clear the rest of those contingencies so that's probably really the um, you know but they are able to close prior to or prior to starting the job as long as they have a non-contingent
4: so the house of the the housing market has changed we've talked about and the price of housing has gone up Um, that's a given do you do you find that first-time buyers are discouraged by that or is it just the new normal for them and they move through the process how how are the buyers responding to what what is happening in the market for us today
1: well i feel like last fall there was maybe a little bit of panic from buyers. I mean, rates did hit a high in last October, November, closer to the 7% range. Um, Rates have basically kind of come down in the last last 12 weeks. Every week they've come down just a little bit. Most buyers have uh, come to a realization that this is the new normal. These rates, you know, that are low sixes, high fives are historically still pretty low. Um, there's a lot of different programs out there to help with affordability. And um, again, that's why I think it's a great idea to sit down with your lender and figure out what programs are out there to meet your short and long-term financing goals.
4: And so if a buyer comes to you and they're not quite qualified, um, you don't just say, you don't just say, Come back when you're ready you kind of give them the advice and counseling as well right which is right. a big responsibility in your job
1: yeah we'll go either through credit or you know ways to save um, to put you you know in a better position be it two three months or six months down the line yeah.
0: you know speaking to that process we will very often we'll have that first meeting with a buyer and sometimes that's pretty uncomfortable for the buyer to, to want to make that step to go talk with you to go talk with a lender or go into the bank because it's it's you know you're kind of exposing yourself in a lot of different ways but explain to us why it's not a bad thing to go get pre-approved and some people are worried about their credit but that's not a concern am i right
1: that credit isn't a concern that
0: you would look at credit that there's no penalty oh, for having that credit check.
1: Right, right. Yes, I think a lot of people think that's going to decrease their change their credit score by having the the credit pulled. And really, it's a very minimum You know, maybe one point um, lower by pulling your credit report. And then if they talk to a couple of mortgage lenders and decide to have them all pull the credit, it counts as like one credit pool. Sure. Um, I always say you don't, you know, you can't know where you're going or what you can do until we, you know, figure out where you're at. So also um, with all the online tools, by completing an online application, I think sometimes it's, it's easier for clients, and that way they fill out all of their information. I pull their credit on the back end um, where they're not directly sitting in front of me you know and by the time we get together and meet or talk about that um, you know we've already figured out the solutions and things
0: right and I hear a lot of people say well I've got so many student loans from what I understand those are different than having a maxed out credit card correct right so it's kind of normal and expected that people with degrees these days are going to have
1: student loans.
0: Have student loans as right. well.
1: You know um, when you asked also about you know ways to prepare when you're talking about credit cards that's one of the biggest things with um, credit score is is your credit card maxed out so if you're going to be purchasing a house in a couple of years you're gonna or in a couple of months you're gonna to want to be sure your credit cards are paid down you know to below fifty percent below thirty percent of your upper limit that's going to make your credit score higher and I think that's something people don't really understand and like you said the, the student loans don't affect it that much but it is the availability of credit or how much you are using compared to what you have out there. So if you have a,
4: a buyer who is new um, newly out of college and they are I mean they have don't have a lot of credit history because maybe someone has helped them with college. They've, they haven't been paying their own bills. What are some of the best ways for them to just start building a credit score?
1: Most of the time, I tell them to go to their local bank and get, or, and get a what's called a secured credit card. Um, because if you can't get... A regular credit card, a secured credit card is where you put down like your own $300 and the bank gives you a credit card. You can use it like a regular credit card. I say just charge coffee or gas, pay it off. You know, after three months, then the bank typically will give you your $300 back and give you a real credit card. But in the meantime, that secured credit card is reporting to the credit bureau, just like your credit card, and it will start building your um, credit history. So it's like a trial period for them. Yeah, right.
0: Excellent, well we are just about out of time, but we wanna make sure that you have a wonderful opportunity to let everybody know how to get a hold of you. Okay. Who are you? Where do they find you? Give us, give us a big old plug. You get a
1: free advertisement <laughs> here. Um, again, this is Heather Fuelberth. I'm at Bell Bank Mortgage. My um, phone number is 507 322 5302, or you can reach me via email at Heather. Wait a minute. Oh, gosh.
0: We, we'll, and we'll put it on. I'll tag it on the okay. podcast, too, so people can liter, literally look at it and see your website and see your, see your email, email as well.
1: So, you know, email me, call me, text me, and, um, you know, let's see what you can do.
0: Right.
4: Heather, it's, it's a delight to have you here because we have... We have worked with you in the past. I know you have had just a very successful business in this community, and a lot of people know you, and we don't take your time for granted. So it's really, really nice to have you here. Thank you for, for the information this morning and for joining
1: us. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again. Yeah,
0: you bet. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at whitemanbrock.com. That's W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N-B-R-O-C-K.com. And Heather Fuelberth. By the way, her email address is hfuelberth at bell.bank. H-F-U-E-L-B-E-R-T-H at bell, B-E-L-L, dot bank. And her phone number is 507 322 5302. Thanks again for listening. We will have another guest for you in a couple of weeks.